0: and I'm here with Brandy Smith who is a highly experienced marketing professional she has over 15 years spent in marketing and she's been in a variety of roles, a director, of VP of marketing in a number of companies and she built integrated marketing and communication strategies that created brand awareness thought leadership and obviously generated revenue. Brandy it's a pleasure to have you here on the show.
1: I'm excited to be here, thanks for having me
0: so you've been extremely consistent with your, with your marketing career. You've been mostly in marketing roles for over 15 years.
1: Where did it all start? Truthfully, I've always kind of had a bit of a passion for marketing. So I specifically went to school for marketing, corporate communications, and PR. So, you know, graduated high school, it was either marketing or operations, if you can believe it. And I was like, there's no way I'm going into operations. What a snooze fest. (laughs) Started taking some marketing courses and knew that that was really where I wanted to major. It was... What I really, you know, it excited me on a day-to-day basis, all of the different possibilities and all of the different things that I could be doing with my career. And then ultimately landed in tech in 2002 in a, in a startup. I think I was like employee number 25 or 30, and I've just stuck with tech since, whether it's small, large, it's just kind of stuck with me, and I think I like tech because It's always evolving. It's always changing. There's always something really cool coming out in the tech space, right? And it's just this new feature, this new technology. It's always, you know, fresh and exciting. Which is
0: so interesting because I find where most people go to university and then they pick their education and almost always they end up somewhere else. And for you, it was like it clicked right away.
1: It's true. It's true. Although, admittedly, I'm now studying to become a personal trainer, health and wellness coach, and group fitness instructor. So I'll use my marketing to kind of build my business that way, right? So it'll never really go away, but it's just kind of a passion and and, and I'll I'll still continue in marketing. But will branch out and leverage my marketing skill set for my passion, too.
0: Which totally makes sense at this point. Why not? Exactly. So what differentiates a good marketer from somebody who is really outstanding from from your perspective?
1: I think that's a good question. I think it's a marketer who is always looking to learn and evolve their skill set. There's so much that's constantly changing in marketing, whether you know it's a new technology or a new way to measure your performance or your ROI, whatever that may be. Um, you know, Google's constantly coming out with you know new updates for you know how you need to optimize your site. Like there's there's always something new and changing, and I think that the best marketers out there consistently look to learn. They're always looking to learn, always looking to optimize, always looking to test, always looking to iterate, always looking for that next best thing to continuously drive better and better results. But ultimately, those who are tracking what they're doing, right? Because at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're not tracking it and you're not understanding what's working versus not working, you can't possibly become better. And you can't possibly drive, you know, more pipeline or ROI or whatever, whatever that goal or objective may be within your organization or for your specific job role.
0: Which will come down to a lot of the self-awareness part, right?
1: I agree. 100%. 100%. Know where your gaps are. Um, and look for ways to fill those gaps, whether it's you know an online course, or if it's mentorship through a marketer who is in that area, um, or if it's reading books, or listening to podcasts, or reading articles and white papers or eBooks or whatever that may be. Right. You don't know what you don't know, and understanding from a you know an awareness point standpoint what that gap is, so you can constantly learn and evolve, is super critical.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So what do you, and you've been, you've been in VP roles, you managed a lot of people, there's a lot of challenges in doing that, you have to know what to focus on, what is the most important thing, and not a lot of people can do it. There, it's, some people can only be, manage a few t- people, they can be a manager, maybe they can be a director, not everybody can be a VP, which is a fair thing. So what do you do more or less of compared to people who are unable to do that?
1: I think it's being able to hire a good team and rely on that team to be able to operate within their job function, right? I think I have a mentality that people are in their job role or job function because they're more than capable of executing on that specific function on a day-to-day basis. And so you have to empower your teams to do what they're there to do and, and, and look to their areas of expertise and know that they can do that eff- efficiently and effectively and come to you with questions where maybe they're struggling. So that way you can focus more on the high-level strategy um, and, and focus more on mentoring them and guiding them to become better with what they do or in areas where they want to grow and evolve.
0: Right. No, totally agree. I mean, the people would be super important. So. I know we spoke a little bit the last time before we went on the air, and you focus on a pretty broad range in marketing. You focus on demand gen, you focus on brand awareness, um, and you like to be broad in terms of your skill set. How does that work for you? Like, how do you find the right balance in, in not going deep in one of the areas, for example, like demand gen?
1: I think it depends on your company. I think it depends on where you are in your specific category or your space. And I think it really depends on your goals and objectives. You know, what are you trying to achieve in that particular fiscal year, as an example? Um, and that way you can develop your strategy and, and, and execute on that from a tactical level and really focus on what those most important um, elements are, right? So right. if you're looking at building a category or you know creating a category, there's a heavy, heavy focus on that PR and that analyst relations component, right? But then you also need to focus heavily on demand generation to, to build your business, build pipeline, revenue, and, and make sure that you're growing and you can actually influence on the analyst side, right? Yeah. So I think it really just depends on your organization what your goals and objectives are, so you can get that strategy in place and then execute on it with the, the different tactics and the different areas of marketing that are gonna help you get there.
0: But you also were, you personally were good at a lot of those areas, right? You were really good at broad range, which not a lot of people are.
1: I've just been fortunate enough to be able to land in a number of roles throughout my career that were more generous, generalist generalist right. style roles and I actually like that because you don't get bored right and yeah. I think that's why I've tended to true. go yeah. a little more toward the demand gen side because it's still very much the generalist approach right it's the whole digital marketing element it's account based marketing yeah. it's marketing operations everything. it's you know it, yeah it's literally everything you're you're you know, it's content even, right? In right. some organizations, yep. content actually rolls up into demand generation. So um, it's events, it's campaigns, right. it's, you know, making sure that the right message gets out to the right audience at the right cha- time, right. you know, at the right time across every single channel, right? Whether it's top, yep. middle or bottom of funnel. So it's so broad in scope. And, and so I think that's why I've landed more toward the, right. the demand side, but I've just been fortunate enough to land in a number of different roles that were very, very generalist and nature. Sure, and I've just, um, I, I just I love every aspect of marketing, so I've been really lucky that way.
0: So you spend time in uh, small companies and startups and tech startups, all the way to corporations like Microsoft. What do you, what's your experience like? What do you prefer from the execution perspective and just from general perspective of running the, the marketing? Yeah.
1: I think that's a great question because, you know, some people really thrive on the enterprise side and some people really thrive in more of that, st- that tech startup environment. And, you know, I've been with Microsoft, I've been with Oracle, and, and they're, they're both really phenomenal companies. But when you go toward the enterprise level, um, there's a lot more process. There's a lot more red tape. Things are very, very slow moving. Um, and that's just the nature of being in an enterprise org. What's also beautiful about that though is timelines are realistic. And so they understand that when you're starting at A, it takes time to get to Z. And, and they understand that marketing is really a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you can't expect certain things overnight. Whereas startup, I, I admit I've, I've landed mostly in startups because you can be crazy agile. Oh, yeah. You can test and iterate and optimize very quickly. Mm. You know, you can um, scale more quickly. And even though you have small teams, you can scale Mm. on certain elements far more quickly than enterprise because you're not facing the bureaucracy or the red tape or, um, you know, the processes to weigh you down on a day-to-day basis. Such a big difference. There's a huge difference. So I think that's why I've really enjoyed the startup life or the smaller company life because of the agility, Mm. the sheer ability to move very, very quickly, um, to think outside of the box and really, really test the limits on things uh, and and not have that red tape aspect.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it too, actually. So you are also a co-founder of ABM Summit along with Steve Watt. Steve did a great presentation. I think he was doing it at Mars. I loved it. It was very made a lot of sense, especially uh, I, could, I could relate to a lot of it, but I, I being a part of somebody who um, was a part of the ABM rollout. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing that companies get wrong when they're trying to roll, roll out ABM or saying, let's do ABM?
1: So I think a lot of the mistakes companies are making is they do a direct mail campaign and that's ABM and that's not what ABM is right Correct. like i've had a number of conversations with people in my network that have reached out over the last couple of months or yeah. you know i've worked with some abm folks that think that you know it's it's a direct mail piece and a, a different messages from sales, you build out a bit of a cadence and that's it. But what a lot of people are really lacking in terms of an understanding is there's there's really like a strategic planning process behind it when right. it comes to identifying who your target is, why they are your target. So, you know, understanding that persona, that company, that, you know, what are their goals and objectives and needs and pain points. They're not doing that big exercise up front. They're just like, I'm gonna send a direct mail piece, I'm gonna do a couple of cadences for the sales team and that's it. But they're also missing the fact that it has to be a true multi-channel strategy, just like your demand generation strategy. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, my ads don't convert. They're not gonna convert. Ads never convert, let's be honest, right? It's there for air cover. So when you're launching a full play, Make sure you have those ads for that air cover. Get some content syndication in place. Get you know, there's there's so you know get that a direct mail piece in place. Make sure that there's some sort of nurture. Depending if you're doing you know one to one, one to few, or one to many, it's right. it's very different across the three. But that's also a challenge, right? Yeah, so,
0: expecting somebody something to convert from a Facebook or a Google ad, it will be a tough one. It's just this is just one touch, right?
1: Exactly. And, and that's just a, a challenge across the board, whether it's demand or ABM, one touch is not actually going to drive results. And, I, I, you know, from an ABM perspective too is when it comes to one-to-one, uh, you know, people are not, um, I'm speaking to a lot of individuals and they're not doing the proper strategic account planning process with sales. Uh, so, or they're they're going in for net new business with strategic one-to-one and really, you have to get to know the the prospective customer at very nitty-gritty levels like detailed, detailed levels. You have to really intimately understand their business, their pains, their challenges. And oftentimes that's really better from an expansion standpoint within your existing customer base because you already know that up front and you can really gear and guide your, your marketing and your strategic account plan around all of that and make it a really tightly woven and internet process between sales and marketing and customer success. Um, to make sure that you're, you're driving the right plays out to that particular audience but a lot of people are not doing the, again, that heavy work up front so mm. it really depends, there's, there's a lot of pains and challenges depending on on which strategic approach you're going to take. I could probably talk to you about that for like an hour.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've heard many times uh, from from a lot of people who run their companies is that a lot of growth comes from customer success and not necessarily from the net new, from new deals or from building a pipeline because you have so much more potential to... To cross-sell and upsell with your current customers if you deliver on that experience whatever you're trying to do.
1: Yeah and I've also found that some companies make the mistake there's a customer that is in trouble and they're trying to use AB, strategic ABM to save the relationship and that's also not a good way to go right you want to you want to get in with healthy customers where there's tremendous expansion and upsell opportunity who already buy into your value and can really can really move the needle that way.
0: Yeah, 100%. So we have a lot of content marketing. A lot of companies do content marketing, and uh, we have t- content where there is native content, where people actually want to consume on LinkedIn or on Facebook, or they want to share it. It's cool. It feels personal. We have content that is not like that. Is that is branded or sponsored. People don't generally like it, and uh, but companies still do it because they think that's the right thing. What is your perspective on native content versus branded company type of content, and where where is it all going coming in the next couple of years?
1: So you mentioned personalization in there, and I think personalization is really key across any kind of content or communication today. Uh, you know, a, a broad message is not necessarily going to pique your or my interest, right? I mean, yep. I want something that's highly personalized to me, mm-hmm. my likes, my dislikes, my pains, my challenges, and so on. That's what's really gonna pique my interest. So I think personalization, regardless of what the, the content or communication realm is, is, is really going to be key today, but also moving into the future. People, um, you know, it, our society is very kind of me-centric. And if it doesn't benefit me in a certain way and it's not personalized to me, I'm not going to give it my time of day or, you know, any kind of mind share.
0: Yeah, people are very, very selfish.
1: We are. We are. And our, our attention span is just atrocious now, right? Yep. I think I read an article that we have less of an attention span than than that of a goldfish today, <laughs> which is just like <laughs> mind-boggling. It's I true. think the goldfish is nine seconds and humans are eight seconds. <laughs> well, th- th-
0: thank, thank you, Apple and Facebook.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but it's true. Like Everybody goes on Twitter and then everybody jumps from one app to another app and then yep. everybody hits this uh, small level of dopamine every single time, like more than 100 times a day, and that just contributes to that um, to that my mind, it trains your mind to yeah. keep doing that.
1: Yeah, or like going on a social media platform, right? You post and to your to your point, like the whole dopamine level, right? Constantly, oh, notification, notification. How many people liked my picture today? Huge. My my 15 year old has you know over 20,000 followers on Instagram and over 170,000 on TikTok. Well, guess what she's doing all day. Right, She's going to see how many likes she gets, but then she's getting hundreds and hundreds of DMs every day. So she's constantly in there, right? But it's a feel-good thing. I mean, imagine the boost to her ego on a day-to-day basis with fans reaching out and everything else, right?
0: It's that balance where, you know, I was just reading a book, uh, Cole Newport, called Deep Work, where he talks about some really, really important concepts where uh, you have that, um, you either prioritize Deep Work, which is a number of hours, completely distraction-free, probably offline uh, with no notifications no phone and then you can actually do the real work you're very focused which takes time to get to it takes your time to actually train your mind or you do sometimes uh, do what m- most people do is not do that they just uh, being on and off of internet all the time with all the distractions and that transition time from when you are being focused on one task to jumping on your phone and then coming back is huge It worth a ton of time and nobody really matters that.
1: It's true. Imagine how much employee productivity goes down by consistently being on a device all day.
0: It was so interesting. I believe it was from this book, Deep Work, but one employee did measure how much time people spend on email at his company. So he created this crazy model uh, and he put how how many, how many words somebody types on average, how much time does it take? So he calculated it it costs the company on, on average $1 million per year on je- on, uh, for all employees to be just sending back and forth emails, which I thought
1: was incredible. That's insane. But the reality is, is the inboxes are so overloaded today. You literally could spend all day just responding to email. Which is, I guess, where uh, tools like Slack come in really handy. But again, if you're seeing all of these Slack messages come in, again, you could be spending your entire day on Slack.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I totally, totally agree. What advice would you give to a smart, driven marketer who wants, to, you know, who wants to get on that next level? And what, would, should, what should they ignore? What advice should they be ignoring?
1: So I think, you know, as a smart driven marketer who wants to get to that next level, I say, go out and find a really solid mentor. Think about what you, you know, where you are today, where you want to go in the future, what it is that you really want to do and where you're striving for in your career and look for a really solid mentor someone who's been there, someone who's done it, someone who's relatively local, if you can, so you can get together from time to time, bounce ideas off of them, have that face-to-face, that coffee chat, whatever that may be, but find a really solid marketer that you can, and I say marketer, because we're talking marketing. Of course. um, find that really solid mentor who is your your goal when it comes to your career. I think mentorship is really, really important. Um, and I think, too, if you're a smart and driven marketer, also mentor someone else, right? Yeah. So take the time to mentor someone else to help them elevate their career. But then, you know, continuously learn and evolve, as I mentioned earlier, right? Constantly think outside of the box, to, you know, stretch yourself beyond where you've been before. Go outside of your comfort zone. Do things you've never done before. You don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah.
0: And in terms of finding a mentor, what is a good strategy, just finding people uh, who are already successful, maybe working at a company on LinkedIn and just send them a message, something like that?
1: No, I think that's too random and you're probably going to get a lot of like, I don't know you. (laughs) So I'm going to ignore you, right? I mean, let's be honest, we all get a lot of LinkedIn in mail and messages on a day-to-day basis or connection requests. And so I think what you really should do is get yourself out to industry events. Right. You know, go to local networking events. You know, my, my co-founder for the Toronto ABM Summit, he has the Toronto ABM Meetup, and he holds those regularly. You know, get out to the meetups, go to the Mars events. There's so much that's happening just in the Toronto area. Oh, absolutely. But, but even outside, it doesn't matter what city you're in, look for all of these different opportunities um, to network, right? Yep. There's constantly events that are going on for marketers out there, so look to, to get yourself to those events. Even if you're in marketing operations, as an example, Get out to like the Marketo meetups or the Eloqua meetups or the Pardot meetups and just network the heck out of it.
0: And also like doing that consistently, I find it also helps if you're going to a certain event on a consistent basis, you get to see the familiar faces and it's easier to build that uh, network.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? And then it doesn't necessarily, you're not necessarily looking for that one person to mentor you. I mean, I think that's really critical. Someone who is very elevated in terms of where you are in your career, but being able to sit down like you and I, you know, and just have those coffee chats and those discussions, I might learn something really incredible from you and vice versa, right? You just never know.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. So what are some of the bad recommendations you hear in, um, in marketing? Uh, that that has been given you know like a lot of people there's there's a lot of advice online and a lot of people also tell things to marketers one step or three steps to do something what are some of the things you hear that are just not true or they are a waste of time
1: Uh, I can't think of anything very specific but the one thing that comes to mind is be wary of vendors and Mm. what what message vendors are pushing and understand that They have an underlying goal that ultimately ties back to their product, right? So I think take what vendors are telling you a little bit with a grain of salt, but look for the thought leaders that are not necessarily tied to a platform, as an example, and see what they have to say uh, and see what they're doing and see what they're experiencing by trying, you know, X, Y, and Z out there. I think a lot of people follow a lot of vendors and take what they're saying at, total face value but you have to understand that it's tying back to a platform so look for other ways and other individuals out there who are doing a lot of different things and they're not they're they're platform agnostic if you will
0: yeah those are i totally agree everybody everybody's trying to sell something in a smarter way and they even are sounding authentic and real but end of the day goal is to drive to sales
1: yeah
0: So I wanted to shift gears and and talk about the personal development, which is a big part of this podcast. When you feel overwhelmed or you feel unfocused or maybe you are losing your focus temporarily, what are some of the things that you do or maybe questions you ask yourself to get back on track? Because we we all have those times when we don't feel 100%.
1: Yeah. So I think when you're feeling overwhelmed, you really need to take a step back and look at everything that's overwhelming you and just break it down. Right. And understand that you are one individual and you can only accomplish so much in a day. So what is the most pressing priority? And just start tackling that first, like break it down into smaller chunks. Because, uh, you know, ultimately, yes, it could be something quite large, but there's smaller pieces to get you there. So take those baby steps to get to that larger overarching goal or that finished right. project, if you will. And then, you know, if, if I'm losing focus temporarily, because like you said, that happens I walk away. Yeah. I walk away and I right. go focus on something else until I can come back and feel refreshed and energized on what, where I'm actually losing focus. Or, you know, when it comes to focus, I go to the gym every morning. Right. So I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm at the gym by 5. I've done my workout by 6.37, shower on the road, go to work. That's the one thing that helps me center myself for the day, right? So you just yeah. have to find that, that thing that centers you. Maybe maybe you go to uh, a meeting room a- and do like a 15-minute meditation period during the day. You have to find what kind of helps you re-energize and refocus, and and try to do that on a day-to-day basis, so you don't find yourself overwhelmed or unfocused on a on, on a regular.
0: Yeah, I, you. There's two couple of points from here. What you just mentioned. One is I remember back to the point of prioritization Steve Jobs used to he would do um, these retreats with his employees and uh, then he would he loves whiteboards so he would whiteboard everything and every employee would, would put an idea on the board and then Steve would typically would just cross over all of the all of the things and he would leave only top three he would say that we can only do three things which is so important back to the point where you only want to focus on the finest things that will make you make the very best impact on you
1: yeah, and I actually worked for a company once where when you joined, you got a giant sticky pad, right? And it's like, what are the top three things I want to accomplish today? Yeah. So very much the, the the Steve Jobs thing, right? So here are the top three things, and then everything else on top of that is just gravy. Yeah,
0: it's, it's like... It's nice, but if that happens, awesome. But if it doesn't, n- nobody cares.
1: Exactly, exactly. I at least got my top three done, and at, you know you can go home at the end of the day to feel really good about that.
0: So you have a very strong morning routine, as you just mentioned. So how, and it's obviously working for you, how long have you been doing that, and what are some of the maybe different approaches you tried?
1: In terms of my routine? Yeah,
0: morning routine.
1: Um, you know, I've had the same morning routine for so long because it just it just works. Right. So um, I'm trying to think of the last time I actually tried something different because truthfully, I've been doing the morning workout routine since before I had kids. And my kids are like 15 and and younger now. Right. So I would say for the the last 20 years, I've had the same morning routine. I get up in the morning, I go to the gym, I go to work. Right. So, um, you know, I, I can't even say the last time I had anything yeah. different. Yeah. But it's again it's 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 that whole feel good, right? It's that whole release of What is it like serotonin or oxytocin or something that's going into your brain when you exercise right so that's my coffee in the morning and so I have that and I feel completely energized and ready to take on the day and tackle it
0: do you do anything particular in the evening before you're getting ready but do you do anything specific in the evening when you're getting ready for your next day Um, maybe goal setting or any any journal or anything like that
1: yeah yeah so I always kind of go through emails that I didn't catch up on for the day I always meal prep the night before so that way there's no excuse i always have healthy food to eat the next day um and then you know i always make some time to just connect with my husband yep. right like maybe even if it's just 30 minutes where it's just one-on-one time to connect and talk about our day and you know What our challenges were, or what the best part of our day was, or just like just idle chit chat, at least 30 minutes where you can just focus on your partner and have that conversation and there's no other distractions and whatnot. Or I'll sit down and have that same kind of thing with my kids, right? So meal prep, family time, catch up from the day, and then. Repeat the next day,
0: amazing and, and it obviously works for you, which is which is awesome. I wanted to ask you because we love books on the show, and I, I'm a huge fan of books as well as as a as a source to learn. What are some of the books, and don't they don't have to be necessarily marketing that you keep coming back to?
1: Yeah, so that's that's a really good question actually. So I've been I've been really knee deep in a lot of ABM stuff recently. Uh, just because, you know, even though Steve and I co founded the Toronto ABM Summit and we're constantly listening to, you know, what vendors are pushing yeah. and, and everything. The the, the one book I constantly go back to for practical advice when it comes to rolling out your strategy and executing on it is uh, Bev Burgess and Dave um, Munn from ITSMA, their um, ABM Practitioner's Guide. So that is phenomenal. So I think any account-based marketer needs to read that, and they need to have it on their desk and reference it on a regular basis, depending on what what ABM practice they're doing, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-many, or one-to-few. Um, but then, you know, it's uh, <laughs> the, the, the one that I like to go back to. Just I tend to be very, very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I go back to it regularly. Um, the, the name is just completely like escaping my mind, but I see the cover. And it's yeah. um, the, the subtle art of not giving up. Oh, not giving a fuck oh you, you <laughs> yes. can say it you can say it <laughs> okay you can say that the subtle art of not giving a fuck because I, I tend to be very difficult on myself but then always you know uh, worried about what other th- others think and whatever and so it's just it's a good reminder to be like just don't care Right? Like focus on you, so focus important. on what you gotta do and just it doesn't really matter outside of that, right?
0: Yeah, and we will link link those books both in the show notes so everybody can grab it on Amazon. I haven't read them by the way, which will will be super important, but yes, to the point of not caring so important it's probably one of the most important things in my like for me to not really care what other people think because you just can't and it's just super so distracting i was listening to an interview from Kara swisher she's very famous a silicon valley journalist and she one of the things that she said was whoever whatever whatever people think about you won't matter one bit 20 years from now
1: exactly it's kind of like that age old you know if your kids leave you know, something on the kitchen table, is that going to matter in five years? Yeah. No, it's not. So don't lose your mind over it, right? Yeah. So I, I, I very much like that. And, and again, I, I tend to have to go back to that because I, I can be very difficult on myself. And I think a lot of type A OCD people are like that, right? And it's just a really solid reminder that just doesn't yeah. matter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Randy, it was a great chat, and super happy that you came on the show. Uh, really appreciate your insights, and uh, actually, before we uh, before we wrap up here, what, where's everybody can find you online?
1: So, LinkedIn is the best way to find me, uh, Brandy Smith, B-R-A-N-D-I Smith. There's, I don't think there's a lot of Brandy Smiths out there, but it is a Smith, so you never know. Yes. And then uh, Twitter, it's BrandySmith01.
0: Mason, and uh, we'll link it again uh, in the show notes. Everybody can uh, say hi and uh, connect with you. But otherwise, Brandy, it was a pleasure, and thank you very much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you having me.